Hey everyone, welcome to A Window My Scent Podcast. This is episode number two with special guest Vesa. I'm skipping my usual sponsored segment at the beginning here. I wanted to just say hi to everyone and I think this is going to be an enjoyable episode for you. We do go deep, enjoy the post, the art that goes with it. There are some great links and uh, yeah, number three will be coming out shortly. Get ready for Saturday's Crypto Voxels Pyramid Release Party. Enjoy the show. And uh, the, the, the only people that I really know who have this attitude, uh, apart from some of the, the sort of riotously crazy cops in the US right now, <laughs> is, is perhaps the, the, the shareholders of companies. Oh, yeah. I mean, their attitude is that we can squeeze as much out of you as possible and without giving anything back. And we have no responsibility really to society. We just want our cut and whatever it takes and who we burned to the ground we don't really care so essentially the musicians the the actors the the sort of notorious uh lotharios and 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 those kinds of people they learned new ways they learned how to coexist better and be more respectful with people and 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 become uh, more full-fledged human beings and i think the last sort of real echelon of of misbehavior is is the shareholders absolutely so i was able to go through like some of the the like we have a whole foundation of of uh, the industrial revolution still being the the value system through which we have our uh, education systems up uh globally all the sir ken robinson ted talks which are just fucking amazing uh, like I'm not gonna go into psychedelics that wouldn't make any sense but I'll, I'll give them a whole bunch of ideas of how within this structure they can be more creative and how to make it happen but unless if their actual leadership comes and meets them halfway they can't transform but it, it's it's a little bit the same situation of what you you have with record companies because unless if they change their attitude <clears throat> the, the same thing will happen to them as what happened to record companies because it's tried to when Napster and, and MP3s came along and the internet sharing came along, they tried to fight it for 10 years as opposed to embrace it and, yeah. and go along with it. So they made themselves redundant. So the whole idea is that unless if we embrace a whole new value system and how to be with this place, you're going to make yourself obsolete. You might be able to squeeze your millions for a little bit, right. but you're going to push yourself into irrelevance. And it doesn't matter what your position in society is or how many yachts you have right now. If you want to be on the pulse of the world, you're going to have to start looking at this uh, in, in a different kind of way, or you're, going to, you're just going to be out. And in one way, out of all the different things of going to Mexico and Giza and... Sorry. It's all right. Uh, going to Mexico and Giza and, and, and doing these crazy journeys about celestial movements of 26,000 years and, and, and all of this stuff, which we definitely should have to go back into it yes. after a while. It's so much fun. But it's almost like a personal mission. Uh, it's as well as that I, it's really painful not to be able to participate with some of those key figures and and, and structures of society that desperately need this change in a tailored, cool kind of way that it really 
helps them because it's one thing to be just on the sidelines saying I'm a shaman <laughs> screaming in and no one's paying attention or then you integrate yourself into where we actually are and bring some gifts into the structure and try and understand why the structure is the way that it is as opposed to just throwing rocks at it yeah because it won't you, help you can't so, just but, shout a message all the time and expect it to help like anybody except for a couple people that already can kind of connect you do really have to kind of tailor and um you know uh you have to give give some some of that up to be able to get to a certain audience uh or or you know person or group so it is it's it's really important and i can i i can tell that it's like painful for you to have to like take so much of the core kind of out of your message, but to be able to develop something for them to kind of start the understanding is super important because our, you know, it, it's true, our culture based on corporate profit cannot stand, it cannot last. And I think even a lot of uh, people in in these corporations and whatnot and the, the shareholders are, you know, just as guilty as the people at the top because they're the ones demanding, you know, yeah, squeeze, you know, blood from a rock for me. Um, until, you know, I think they do kind of know it's like the last oomph. They're like trying to get just everything they can because they see it's, you know, it's going to crumble basically. It can't, it can't be sustained. Uh, it, it, the, at the rate we're going now, you know, you, we would just wipe ourselves out. And, and the last, you know, section of our, of our reality would just be really desperate, um, except for a few people, at, you know, at the top. So uh, it's really important to get that, uh, even if it's watered down, to get that message to uh, the large corporations that then hold all this power uh, through their wealth for lobbying and, and X, Y, Z. Well, us as just regular people on the street, I, I've been, you know, I, I say it often, vote with your dollars because that's where you can have an effect like right now. If I do not support this company uh, that is this giant global, you know, consortium or whatever, and instead I buy my uh, vegetables at the farmer's market from a, fr a farm just down the road, well, then I'm directly supporting the local agriculture and I'm also saying I'm not buying, uh, you know, produce at Walmart or whatever that is conventionally grown and, and is, and is you know, that our whole food system is kind of collapsing uh, right now, too. So that's one of the things, you know, anybody can do is try and support with, you know, their dollars what they what they purchase and, and just be conscious of that, you know, because then uh, you do see. Uh, some, you know, some companies making big changes to try and be at least, you know, more sustainable. And that's better than not being sustainable. There's a, there's a really interesting, like, I, I'm, I'm a, I was very fortunate to come across Ken Wilber's work when I was in my early 20s. And the, because he, he's the father of integral theory. And basically, even though there's parts that I don't, like, for example, some parts of the foundation of some of this theory, which is sort of very much tied to the um, linear official development side of history, uh, is, is where we went from um, what kind of societies we've had and went from hunter-gatherers and all that kind of stuff that right. Egyptology, when you scratch the surface, starts to throw some giant 
monkey wrenches into but it's still the 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 way that he he looks at the world of taking everything into consideration from multiple angles and and sort of his attitude was that everyone has a bit of the truth and uh, and and that's been a beautiful way for me to start accessing of how to make art as well is because if you if you look at it one way but then you start to see other integral perspectives to that same piece it starts to evolve and then there's all of a sudden a little bit of everything for everyone in there so that they can discover pieces uh to their puzzle that might be useful and i i, I just find that a lot of the contemporary creativity and this is a lot to do with i, I mean i rile on the left a lot because i i, I for what they stand for and what they believe should be able to be criticized so that the very important parts of the left get maintained you know and they they just have lost so much of their core yeah. uh, from from what i kind of see is that that's why i tend to have a pet peeve with them more than more than the right but i i don't really associate with either side of the politics I yeah. mean, as far as i'm concerned it's the same it's bird the same, and, yeah. but there's the the the, the sort of Jeez. I understand why why things are the way that they are. Uh, I can sort of see it unfold, and then you have these voices like Eric Weinstein. Uh, I don't know if you've come across this guy. He he's got this podcast called The Portal. No, and uh, uh, he's a very very interesting guy. Uh, probably the most comprehensive, interesting sort of deep analysis of what's going on. He's one guy. And Daniel Schopenhauer, I, I, I butcher his name mm-hmm. also. He's a, he, he's on this um, uh, podcast called uh, Rebel Wisdom quite often. That's that's another one. Uh, I'll I'll dig it for you so you can maybe put it in the show Great. notes or something like both of yeah. these guys. But they're they're incredible in their uh, way of sort of processing uh, everything that's that's going on. But it, it, it's like because of the the way that particularly the left sees a bunch of things is that we we've cut our roots to the spiritual foundations of things and if, if you look at like uh, let's say you the the totalitarian elements of of society or government of how it increasingly looks at people as products that they own yeah. uh, as opposed to a sovereign universal individual is that the further you cut someone from the spiritual access to the universe the easier it is for them to forget why they're not a product, yeah. why they're not something that is to be owned or used as collateral for a monetary system or, uh, you know, why your children are more yours than they are of the, the property states. of the state. Right. You know, if you don't have access to that universal truth, then you go what well why the hell should i have privacy i mean i've got nothing to hide right. uh, all of it's like a house of cards that starts to come down if you don't have that uh connection and that's why i feel it's it, it would be um ever so important for the left to start exploring these things and psychedelics and and these uh beyond tribal realities which seems to me to be the actual intent that's what we're trying to get to. That's why black lives matter. That's yeah. why all lives matter. But even no matter where we are in the in the spectrum of things, some religions seem to be more harmonious and co-evolved with others than others are. And we have to be able to look at them honestly in order for us to feel like we truly are 
getting to the place where we are looking at things from clearly but, but you can't really like in in one way like let's say the the conflict between hinduism and islam i mean uh, it, the some of the core tenets of islam it says that we are the it's like muhammad is the last prophet right it's like he's this is the final truth it, everything is islam and then you know you talk to a hindu and my lady is hindu and she uh, she goes through these meditations and these just amazing discoveries uh, constantly uh, that are like Lord of the Rings <laughs> type of meditate, and I hear maybe a thing of "Be nicer to your mother" type of thing. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> it's very subtle for me. Whereas for her, she goes through something that can be only described as a as a psychedelic trip, and she encounters these deities and and these realities are as real to her as you know this and oh, yeah. the, these tables and whatever and then someone if you come from another perspective and you come and tell her that oh by the way you're wrong right <laughs> it's like there is only one god there is no deities and all of this is rubbish you go well uh, uh, unfortunately we're, we're, we're not gonna get along <laughs> right yeah <laughs> uh, unfortunately when you have a religion that you know and most of them uh are are some of the root of that is we're the only ones that are right everybody else is you know just gonna burn forever stupid wrong whatever it is you know you're you're wrong we're right and it and it's from the beginning um you know kind of orchestrated that way again as a way to divide unfortunately uh and, and i i actually i was super fortunate uh in my freshman year of high school i had an amazing teacher um for history and we did a really i think it was a semester of just uh it may have, it may have been the whole year of just jumping from like you know Hinduism, Christianity, Islam, you know, just an array of studying different religions, uh, you know, obviously not super in-depth, but at least to get us, like, kind of a taste of all these different religions. And that, for me, you know, I, I had already been, I think it was third grade, maybe fourth when we started studying Egypt, and that sparked, you know, just this huge connection with me. And even at that time, I remember when... We were learning, you know, first I think about the pyramids and then when we started learning about the Valley of the Kings where like the um, burials actually are, right? Even then I was like, well, wait, why are they saying that the pyramids are a tomb when everybody's buried? Like it just, there was already a little like, doesn't sound right It, you know, 11 years old or something. So that, you know, that was just like a very beginning inkling of like, uh, and I was fascinated from, you know, just boom, super fascinated from the get-go and have been ever since. And then getting, you know, to to learn a little bit about uh, different religious texts and reading parts of those um, in my freshman year of high school was, again, really mind-opening, you know. And it gave me this respect for all religions that, you know, has also turned into a disdain for all religions. <laughs> but, it, it you know, it's like... It, there's there's obviously in any organization you generally have uh you know you can have good things and bad things and there's you know good people and and bad people just you know in different levels of everything all throughout so it's it's tricky but i wish that we could somehow break down some of the barriers and let people understand that 
everybody's God is real. You know, in your reality, when you're worshiping, that's real for you. So it should be respected and sh should not be the, you know, first judgment thrown because what religion you are is, you know, very similar to the color of your skin or the way you, you know, the way you look. It, it doesn't matter. It's superficial. Uh, you know, so much of our society is just based on these superficial little, you know, surface nothings and it just turns into situations like we're in now with all these protests and riots and, you know, abuse by the police of people that are just being super peaceful and it's just like it, it builds into this cacophony of sort of terror. Um, and and I you know I I don't know what else we can do but just talk about it and put out podcasts and try and express it through our art and and keep pushing you know. Well, that's the because it took a lot of lot of courage for me to start talking about a bunch of these things. I mean, my my mom and my stepdad, even though he's been my stepdad's been in my life ever since I was one. So it's a complicated thing to call him a stepdad. He was <laughs> he was much more around than my my dad, and in many many ways imparted me with a lot of wisdom as well as trauma. Uh, but but my he's very different. Both my mom and my stepdad they're very uh, atheistic and secular, and my dad uh, he he more of uh, he's he used to say the Lord's Prayer uh, when we went to bed as as a kid and. Uh, back then, I was like, you know, this is a cute moment, but you know, this is not really for me. And uh, and when I went to church, I remember being about six, and I I go like, there, there's something important happening here, like there's something important about this place, but you guys are doing it wrong. Oh yeah, you've oiled it, like some you you've corrupted this, like the the magic that is meant to be here is not here, and you're telling us to make believe that it's here. Like I had that instinct type of thing, and I, I started like really turning on the on the foundations and everything, and I, I just sort of found it through uh, Eastern uh, religions and Alan Watts and 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 a, bu a bunch of I, I had to go through the East of, to to come back to you know essentially to understand um, all of these things from uh, from our our foundation. It's been, it's been a beautiful journey in that kind of a way, and. Uh, I, I really did have a point, but now I forgot it. Well, <laughs> I was about to tie in like a bow somehow, you but can, I lost it. You can still on that point because I've got to share with you. My mom was, you know, raised Mormon, eight, you know, brothers and sisters, Utah, you know, super Mormon. Um, my dad is a Jew and, you know, basically uh, all the way back. Um, and so... I don't know exactly how it happened, but, uh, and my dad was, you know, like super hippie, basically rock star, you know, back in the, back in the sixties. Um, he was in a band that the young bloods, you probably heard the, uh, the song, come on people now smile on your brother, everybody get together, try and love one another right now. So that was his like claim to fame. But way before that, this, you know, super Mormon girl marries, a. Jewish hippie and you know here's one of the results but so as a kid my mom sort of went through phases where she'd take us all to you know, Mormon church and be like super into it and then like a little more lax but uh, I remember being a very little kid maybe nine or something and being at church and kind of seeing the majesty of of it and and feeling the spirit from other people like especially during the singing 
But I remember this one time, um, and it was during the like singing of the, the gospel hymns and whatnot, and I realized that, and, and this is another thing that comes to race, I realized that all the black people were basically at the back. And then I realized it was like all the time like that. And there weren't a lot of African-Americans in the church just because of the area and the time, whatever. Um, and then I started like picking up on more and more sort of like how women were treated really poorly. And I really didn't like the way that the, you know, pastors or whatever they're called in the Mormon church. Um, I'm blanking on what they're called. Uh, they're not priests or pastors, uh, deacons and deans or whatever. And uh, they treated my mom horribly. Guilt tripped her really hard if she hadn't paid enough that month. I mean, you know, sometimes we struggled and it was like not a lot on the table. And I remember her getting like berated because she didn't put like enough of the tithing in or whatever. And like it just all those things came together and I realized how flawed it was. And um, I wound up at, you know, so we, we kind of went attitude. Yeah, we went through these different phases. And then I wound up getting a job on Sundays washing dishes at a little local restaurant to get out of church. I was like, well, I got a job, ma, you know, and it was like, boom, there, that was my out. But um, it's yeah, it's it's interesting how as kids you can pick up on those energies like really clearly. And then depending on how you're raised and how you grow up, that's generally you know tamped down to the most possible if you're just you know going out to main through mainstream means um and and so yeah keeping that alive is is important and and letting young people uh discover their kind of selves and supporting that and treating them like you know basically like you would treat an adult um is I think the the better way to go about interacting with with kids because they're super smart they soak up knowledge like crazy um, they have like a deeper connection it seems because they haven't necessarily lost that and uh, it's just another aspect of 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 interest to me well it's um, yeah uh, I kind of remember why why I said the the previous ones you sparked a couple of um, other thoughts as well, but it, but essentially, because uh, like from what I said previously, it would be maybe even easy to to feel that I'm I'm more or crazy. I'm, I'm more like someone who looked at the both sides of it. Like for example, when I when I did DMT for the first time in my life, I mean, I, I up until then I I thought that the concept of angels was a little uh, cute <laughs> and. Uh, as well as you know, I, I just couldn't really relate to a, a lot of the things that I learned about Islam and, and studied it. But with the Vino project that I, I spent a couple of years uh, with, uh, and I knew that because there was a hot button issue about it and there was danger about it. I mean, there was even like I had friends and family who were telling me before we launched the project in 2013 that this is probably the last thing that you'll ever do. And uh, are you sure you want to do this and and kind of goodbye <laughs> type, type <laughs> of thing? Which obviously, I mean, I can be as brave as the next guy, but I, that 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 put some fear into my boots, honestly. At that that point, I bet. And and essentially, like around that time, I did DMT for the first time in Vienna uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, the ten minutes that felt like an eternity is essentially a, you know, the took three hits as as supposed to and the mm -hmm. fractal storm took over me and all of a sudden 
like as opposed to other psychedelics i was fully myself it didn't transform my internal state in any way right I'm just like i'm right now but i'm in a, what can only be described as another dimension and it's this eternally white infinite place where these fractal storms are being sort of um generated or guided by and generate not generated maybe but guided by these angelic beings they were mm. they were these androgynous beings and i i kind of enter a space with infinite love and welcome and first of all it was such a beautiful thing because i've been through a process of making this uh stage performance uh, looks uh, culture of radiance which is a, a 12 minute film on my site that you might I'm not sure if you watched it, if you know, but I, I just got done doing the performance in Austria and uh, it, it was quite stressful. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I felt really accomplished of get, having it got gotten it done with the crew of people and all of those who were there. So all of a sudden being sunk into this eternal love, uh, this beautiful, beautiful, blissful state was just amazing. But what, you know, no words were being said, but this being that was closest to me just sort of said, welcome. And what I, and, and said that I was quite frustrated that a lot of things weren't going my way per perceivedly or they weren't progressing fast enough for me. And I was quite frustrated. And the communication was just that, um, you know, Vesa, sometimes when uh, you have the green light, others have the red light. And sometimes when you have the red light, others have the green light. And that's how the universe works. <laughs> I was just like, ah, okay, that's cool. And, and sort of before I know it, uh, I'm out of there. And I analyzed it a little bit. I actually, the next day I was flying to Helsinki. And uh, I walked into a, I, I thought I was completely sober, but I walked into a glass door at the airport, which was embarrassing. Uh, but, but I kind of analyzed it a little bit later on. And the only place where I'd seen the kind of, because what, what the fractal storm of what they were, there, there was no friction in this place, but it felt like they were doing this eternal labor, labor of love that was almost like a, a prison for them as well. It's a, the, there was no friction but they can't leave. Mm. They're sort of there in service of love in eternity in a, in a t type of way. And if I, let's say, if I chose to start taking this podcast now into uh, a direction of being really rude to you or something like that, they have no choice but to start twisting the fractals in a certain kind of way. Oh. Or if I want to share connection with you and keep going path through this resonance that we obviously agree and see a lot of similarities you know the the fractals are going to be going the one way and it felt like the in this place it was the smallest of the blades of grass to the you know cosmic right. movements of the skies type of thing mm. that was the thing that they were sort of putting and and when i came out of it i also realized that the only place on earth where i had seen the fractals has been in Islamic mosques. Oh, yeah. Tiles. Of mosques. So, you know, because I, I realized that, oh, what if at some point there was like uh, Islamic mystics who had these experiences and what they saw is the fractal storm and they, they thought that they associated God to be the fractal storm. Therefore, you can't make sort of deities or... Uh, angels as far as i understand uh, islam has the the tradition of angels as well but you can't make people into deities that's why it's all 
graphic right. the way that they portray everything because then you're making false deities. Uh, and I, I, but it was so strange as an experience to be in that DMT realm because essentially you have the angel, so you have the thing that you're not meant to do, but then you also have the the source of what I've only seen in, in mosques. So it was like they were actually like this. They right. were together, but in this reality of ours, all of a sudden, here is where people kill one another over the differences of Christianity and Islam. So it was a beautiful unifying experience in that that kind of a way as well. But again, it's like, um, and I, I don't want to say too much on the behalf of psychedelics because there probably is, like, weed doesn't agree with me at all. Like, um, I usually have really, really bad trips now, just yeah. smoking a couple <laughs> of cups of a joint. So, like, not everything is obvious and, and works for everyone, but it just so seems that that when I really want to have profound visual experiences then they happen through psychedelics and and these are the kind of profound insights i've been able to have into some of those things that i've come across only ridiculous before uh so for some people that might be the right way to access if they've only ever been able to act uh, sort of feel contempt towards these traditions that have been around for thousands and thousands of years uh because i i wouldn't have been able to feel into what's important about them if I hadn't had those experiences. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a so, deep one. I honestly, I swear, when you were just starting to talk about those fractals, I like felt some like fractal in my like chest core when you were talking about that trip. Like not when you just first started, but then when you were kind of like explaining a little deeper, I don't know, I just could like feel that. Um, and I've had not uh, like super similar experience down to the details but um i had a friend who's a shaman that raised frogs you know the frogs where you milk them and you and you smoke it and um i was going through a really tough time and uh went down for a visit and we went and just went to the beach basically in the back of this van you know real comfy pillows and blankets and opened the back doors up to just you know be looking out at the ocean and did the three hits and just kind of sank back and shot out. I mean, you know, my being left and went into some cosmos where everything was like represented. There was basically everything was there. All knowledge, like you were saying, from the smallest blade of grass to the largest structures in the universe or whatever. And it was such a healing uh, experience and so calming and peaceful <clears throat> and I didn't actually visually see a being but I saw all these connections everywhere all these like tendrils webbing out and sort of was getting the message through those or something and you know I was I was just kind of asking about some really personal uh, things that I was going through but I got you know it was a communication non necessarily verbally but very clear um, and, and, and it really, it really helped me, but it also gave me an understanding of, um, I guess what you could say the Akashic record or, you know, there's, there's multiple kind of ways to describe like this, everything that's around us. Um, and, and so I can connect to, to what you're talking about with those experiences. Um, I think it probably is important to also mention like psychedelics used in 
a safe environment where you can have these experiences like you were, I think you said, with a, a shaman friend too or something? Because going to yeah, a party... I've done some trips with, with shaman in, in these sort of circles and mm -hmm. some... Um, most of them actually by myself. Right. So I was going to get to like going to like a big party and doing mushrooms or, or um, you know, anything heavier uh, can definitely be uh, completely different than being out in the woods with one friend or being on your own at home in a safe place you're comfortable at because for people that don't really know, uh, they might just think like, oh, this is great. I can go like experience, you know, the universe uh, at this party because people have the, the drugs, but it's not as simple as that. Um, and, and there's also, you know, bad trips that can be had. So that when I talk about psychedelics, I usually mention like where you do it and with whom you do it uh, is also really important for, for people that Yeah, aren't. with what kind of intent, and, you know, yeah. sometimes you meet Satan. Right, you know, yeah, the death trip is pretty, is something <laughs> that a lot of people go through. I, I had that one where I was like, am I dead, da, 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 you know, just like, it was, it was kind of scary. Um, but yeah, that's, that, and that part of, that kind of just builds your, you know, your knowledge base of experiences in this, in this wider realm that we often don't, you know, touch or see or, or even think about, unfortunately, for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, the, the circumstances and how you do it, and especially the intent, is also super important. Well, it's, it's, it's like one of those things, it's like, a, I don't even think about death. Like, I actually think about death probably more than the average person, but the way that I feel about it is entirely different than when I get to a conversation with someone who doesn't really have hasn't had these kinds of experiences because you know the the unknown or the like if you've had that kind of like you said that you have this catapult experience where you kind of get out of your body and you go to the acacia records and you see everything represented and you realize that this has got nothing to do with your body <laughs> yeah. like zero to do with the meat vehicle you're in in and once you've had that experience and you you you've um, or when i smoke dmt you go and sink into this eternal love this thing that you've you've sort of craved your whole life or some sort of acceptance or or thing whatever it is once you've experienced it then you come and you're, you're back in your body. Not only is it easier to bear all the things that life throws at you, but you know that, you know, you're going towards something and that that's something, at least to me, is not the end of things. Yeah, uh, it's not that you just sort of go <laughs> out like a light and that was it. And this this was all entirely purposeless and and there was no soul journey or these kinds of things. If you if you only think that there are hoaxes, you're bound to be in just eternal dread. Yeah, it'd be painful. I mean, it, it's amazing I mean, how, how much the kind of fear of death can be um, not eliminated by any means, but but so changed. Like it's so much less scary to think about uh, knowing that you know we're basically here to grow and evolve and learn for our spirit or soul or you know whatever you want to call kind of our essence and yeah i can i mean 
I don't know. I guess I always never thought, I, I mean, I never thought that death was just a, 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 the end to everything in a blankness anyways, but to, to have that belief would be pretty terrifying, I guess. I mean, it's hard to even put myself in, in, in those shoes because my beliefs are so different than that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, having this journey to grow and to experience these things is, is really does lift a kind of weight off you in certain ways and be, be able to accept the traumas that we have, uh, and try and, you know, kind of try and grow from them, even if it's a little after the fact, because when you're in that situation, maybe you're too overwhelmed or whatever. But even then it, it, it does, it really changes the way you walk through life when you've had these experiences. Well, that's, I suppose, what, what's so um, frustrating to me about the, the general state of the art world altogether, because, you know, in, in one way, uh, I've discovered the path to being Santa Claus uh, in the original form, which is to, to travel and try and find gifts to bring to others so that it's almost like I look at art like they're, they're signposts or they're beacons or they're, they have the function. They have something that is like if you have the, the soul or the eyes to see what's there, it's there to guide you into a certain kind of direction or help you feel about something a certain kind of way or trigger an experience in, inside of you that is helpful for your journey as a human being. And it's been reduced from let's say, you know, this eternal, uh, like John Anthony West called it, the Church of Progress, whereas in fact there's a bunch of regress that is happening from especially the sort of Egyptian golden type of era where everything was celestially organized through throughout the society and the concepts of an enlightened king and and, and those kinds of things and, and all of the art and everything was supporting the cohesion of understanding of how the universe works yeah. and that was permeated throughout society and we couldn't be further from it <laughs> like in, in in many ways right now and and to to make art that has that function or that poten potential for that trigger but then also like realizing that there aren't many who are looking for it nor can they access even if they're yearning it because it, it's it's like a thing that is missing and what is now being supported is is like for example like many many people now feel that it's the patriarchal really bad roots and origins of christianity but the christianity and art and michelangelo and da vinci and the discoveries the you know, Da Vinci was more like questioning the the authority, and he he was more of a psychonaut, uh, I, in my perception, than yeah. maybe Michelangelo. <clears throat> Michelangelo's access and beauty of understanding of the Christian tradition was something, and it it certainly triggers like the Pieta statue when you understand it, uh, like that there's a mother who knows that their son is going to die and gets sacrificed to the world, and still does it as a service of love to give that life to this eternal cycle and how beautifully it's mesmerized in that the suffering of humanity into that statue it's there's this value to that but i relate more to da vinci's quest of of questioning that authority that dictated you have to do it a certain kind of way and i i think his his journey was more valuable uh, to me personally in that kind of a way because he was truly going at the core and 
fuck everyone. Yeah, <laughs> in, I, I agree. In the process <laughs> of you try and come into, in my way with it. And, you know, it, it's that, that root origin of even the church supporting the kind of art that might trigger that experience in you if you had none of that in you to begin with was important. And now our art institutions have all but abandoned anything to do with soul and function of art in that profound way. And you have the Alex Grays and you even Android Jones and in his digital mineralism or what, what he calls it. And you have these significant, important artists who are pushed to the fringes of things from major museums and, and, and places where things are happening simply because they are, in my perception, at the core of what, what art is there. Right. It's, it, and, and they're it, the ones who are pushed to the sidelines. And I'm going, this is so fucked it's up. It's so backwards. It's totally backwards. Like art with uh, that core message is, you know, um, is, not, is not valued, which is like why we have art to inspire, to learn. And, and you're, I think you were saying, um, you know, with some of your works, it's like people don't have the ability to see it. But I do think that you know i mean some some people do and 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 i but i do think that even people unawares can kind of pick that up you know so it it's important because after a couple repetitive oh this kind of triggered something well after a few of those maybe it blooms into a thought you know and then you get a little deeper understanding i mean i don't know and, and another thing was yeah that like making making art uh that would defy the the church's authority had to be done so sly you know it was like just woven in there just enough so that we get it but not enough to be like clamped down um so i kind of see that you probably have to almost walk that line of to be able to be seen you can't show your whole message like and, and so you have to kind of disguise it and just give little breadcrumbs. And I mean, obviously, some of your work <clears throat> is more, uh, um, you know, has more of 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 those esoteric kind of um, feelings and 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 symbols and whatnot, which I love. Um, but yeah, it's it's the the mainstream art world is so, I guess, just superficial and, and shallow. It's very like cosmetics and, and and commercial is is you know whatever there might be a new fad that comes up and gets embraced but it's not uh our deep dark or bright centers that that get the attention um that art is all about that expression so it, it is it, i could see it be very frustrating um i mean my art is is uh more through photography and just little sketches and stuff but um, I, you know, I connect a lot with uh, a, a lot of artists out there, but um, your stuff I was drawn to right away. Uh, I mean, well, I, I, I was drawn to the conversation with you <laughs> right, right the way. But that, that, that's the kind of thing is like uh, you're with your understanding of the world and and your skills going towards a certain kind of direction. You're going to be able to do further and further amazing things because they have that core now, whether they find that audience or not, then that's a, a b bizarre thing altogether, <laughs> what, what connects with people and what doesn't. But it, it's like, um, 
And there, there are some, I mean, you, like, let's say Damien Hirst, um, that, that, his work, I, I didn't quite get, but actually, like, last time I went to Las Vegas, I went to the Palms Hotel, and one of his uh, sharks is there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the, the, the one that is in, in, I think it's resin or something where it's embedded and it's oh. in three cubes. It's been diced into a thing and it's at the lobby bar of, of, of the palms. I mean, he, his new works are there as well. These, uh, I think it's something God or di demon or something like that, that is in the swimming pool area. That is this absolutely gigantic sort of sea demon God statue that is just like it's quite mesmerizing it doesn't leave you with a very good feeling uh, <laughs> in a certain kind of way but but I, I really got a part of his thing uh just looking at the shark because it's in three parts and it's hung above a casino bar and i i just stood there and looked at it for a while and then i got the message yeah. i was like human beings are such a fucking predator that we will take an apex predator slice it up, put it in fucking raisin and raise it above a, a casino bar where we drink and talk trivialities and and go about our fucking day not blinking an eye that that's how badass of a predator. And, and there was a core type of feel about that that I went, yeah, that guy deserved, you know. That's a like pretty a, powerful a message. You know, but his his thing is glorified death uh, in in a certain kind of he, he's to make death more fun is is a lot of like it's way too simplistic, and then you have someone like Coons and you go well they're beautiful but it's essentially sex. I mean, right. he, his his whole thing is what's shiny and sexy, and and he's in worlds where shiny and sexy eighties fucking Wall Street was. You know, they, they weren't looking for anything that would stop them to have a soulful experience. About, yeah. <laughs> like throwing midgets into tar while fucking telling hookers on cocaine. That was right. not That's it. <laughs> on high order at the time. <laughs> oh, the that, 80s. Um, so, but but I, I can see that there's there's like there's things about them and maybe Hearst like more of, of connected uh, but that thing that, that thing that what called you about Egypt or called me about Egypt like when I went to the British Museum and I, I kept going back to the Egypt section there's this whole floor you go through Mesopotamia you go through uh, like hundreds and thousands of years of culture and all these artifacts from everywhere and I come to Egypt and I just sort of melt like th there's something that shines about that place, like unlike anything else, and and that thing that is the uh, the art of Egypt, going to Karnak, like listening to John Anthony West go through the whole of the place, how this massive temple is built in to the image of man from above. You look at it, and it's actually a body. The whole temple of it, and how all of the sections of it tie into something like that is a chakra centers and cosmic yeah Dude, oh. like i'm go i'm going like there's nothing like if you call what we have progress in comparison to that we've regressed so fucking far 
It is not funny. No. And, and, and it's been orchestrated. Nowhere. Too. There is nowhere in the anything that is even closely resembling mainstream art or the millions that are being paid to, for art pieces. You could say maybe Basquiat has a shamanic element and the, the sort of powerful voodoo-like thing that right. it has. But in terms of actually eternal wisdom, since a lot of these ancient cultures, it's it's nowhere. Yeah, it's like, where's it's the spirituality and art? Yeah, where is it Where is it gone in our structures too? Because that was, it's so... Um, I mean, and it's lasted the ages, thousands of years. We are, it's, it's still a beacon, you know? So they, <laughs> they obviously had higher knowledge than we have now to just create that, you know, to be able to, uh, be able to send a message through thousands of years to you and me, you know, and so many others. Um, I, I have not been able, I've not been to Egypt. It's been a dream since I was a kid and I, I will someday get to go and, and, you know, do like a very, uh, in-depth tour. And, uh, you know, I've seen there's, there's different groups that do some of these tours and stuff and, and I don't know which one or with who, but I'm, I'm definitely going to get there and, and be able to see these up close and personal at, at some point. It's a major goal, uh, in my life is like the the most sort of uh either deeply tinfoil or or the coolest uh but when when i went there i was reading the drunvala malkizadek books the flower of life one and two and they they are about as as out there as as things go and it was quite quite a cool experience to be reading them whilst traveling over there and uh it, you know when we went to the great pyramid of giza i was reading the chapter on it and and uh, also, I remembered what John Anthony West, uh, what they said about sound, and how they might have had these different kinds of sound tools, and how to uh, uh, how to help building them, and and basically that the structure of the Giza pyramid is built for sound. Yeah. And if you go into the king's chamber and you make a sound like om, the whole of the building resonates. And I remembered that, and I made that sound once oh. I got into there. But the story that was really interesting about what Drumvala Malkizadek's book was saying is that the, you had these cadets, uh, essentially, who were uh, raising in the ranks of spirithood or, or like practicing ascension, essentially, uh, is that when they got to the end of their training, a part of it was that you went to the king's chamber and you went into the sarcophagus and you took, uh, I think it's the blue lily what the hell is it that, that is the egyptian flower that is in a lot of the artifacts but it's a psychedelic essentially that the cadet was took a psychedelic and was put into the sarcophagus for three days to practice Whoa. ascension from the sarcophagus so that's the general misconception about the tomb like thing right, right. that is in the king's chamber that it's but no one was buried there right but a spiritual you, you tool to be able to shoot to, yeah i mean everything it's there's so much amazing knowledge there and the frequencies and the the sound technology that i do think they they had and used was incredibly advanced and not only in egypt but in in mayan structures and others throughout the world um you know they they did have high technology and then you can see from you know uh the oldest are these giant megalithic 
uh, pieces. And then the next cultures would build up on that and it would be, you know, maybe they couldn't move those big of stones, but they could still form and shape and had amazing skill. And then on top of that, you've got like, you know, modern like little rocks and bricks or whatever. Um, and so many of these, these places that have been, you know, used for spiritual centers for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And it, it's just amazing to me that we have these structures all over the world, pyramids, for example, all over the world and aligned with the stars, right? Uh, astro, astro theology is deeply tied into to these structures. Um, and most of us, if we go to these sites, we can feel the energy, right? There's, there's energy there being harnessed or, you know, whatever you want to say. And then the mainstream is just like, oh no, there's no connection to any, any of those. They're all just, you know, kind of based on uh, a silly story that one person had in this area and the same person, you know, had a silly story over there. And it, it just blows me away that anybody buys it, you know? Um, the, the, the mainstream narrative yeah. on it. Uh, pretty well about... Yeah, but I, I think there's a there's a bit of thing that naturally happens with different temperaments as well. Is that Alan Watts called it uh, the prickles and goo, I think, in his uh, South Park animation that is really cool, this 12-minute thing. And it's about the journey of life. And the South Park guys animated this 12-minute talk that he has. And one of the ways that how he put it is that you have sort of the scientific rigor and academia, which is very prickly. It's very mm -hmm. clearly defined and walls and, 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 and to those people, what we have now been talking sounds like goo, this miasmic mm -hmm. soup and undefined and nah, and fucking, you know, unfocused and, right. and this kind of thing. So they, they'll naturally not gravitate to, this kind of talking because it's not their base temperament and for us the clearly like i'm more goo probably even <laughs> though I've, I've learned how to be much more structured uh, and and sort of utilize both both of those worlds because essentially you need both yeah uh, but the, the core temperament doesn't want to go to the uncomfort zone of your that is not your base foundation in a certain kind of way. So academic, academia and the way that they've looked at it is also what comes across really arrogant and throwing the baby out with the bathwater is also just the natural temperament thing, I think, as well, uh, to, a, to a relative degree. But then, but like, that's why I love uh, one of the most, that's why I put the Revelation of the Pyramids uh, film into the uh, CryptoVoxels Pyramid, is because, you know, it's so, because it's nothing but facts. There's yeah. no, they don't go into any of the tinfoil. They just say, well, here's the metric system, and this is where we find it, and isn't this fucking weird? <laughs> yeah. and, and they just lay down facts and, and things that you can go back and, and check, and mathematical, rigorous, sort of clearly defined things that should be easily accessible if you want to from the academic or prickly point of view in order to sense whether there's something to it or not. But I suppose the big picture is that we just have a bunch of people with a, with a foundational temperament that is not intended to access this. And maybe they're holding some part of the structure of our reality up in their unconditional view of this being this way and their job is not to look at it holistically and 
that's fine. Uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's fine, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and that, that's an interesting point, too, that they kind of hold certain things together by all agreeing, even if they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and and I suppose the the whole thing is because what what when we very first started talking and and all that you said psyops and all of these kinds of things that are like profound darkness that we've had in the underbelly of the world for such a long time that was one thing that really helped me was the understanding when we did the 2012 documentaries that okay so there's this thing called the great year Plato called it the great year the 26,000 year cycle. And right now, the 2012, what ended was the 5,000-year cycle that is called the Iron Age, which is the dumbest that we are in the right. celestial cycle in terms of our soul connection. And, Bottom of the wheel. And, uh, right. So in from 2012, the end of the world, what it is is like 5,000 years of the darkest period and corruption now coming to the surface to be processed so we can start going in the in the celestial cycle up again. So all of this turmoil and the world being on fire and all of the sort of killing of the false gods and, and new religions being born and new structures coming from the ashes of the ones that are now about to be burnt is makes sense and gives comfort is that this is not going to persist to basically the destruction of the world. This is not a bad thing. It's just, from perspective this is what needs to happen so that we enter a new age like that's the thing is like if you talk about anything to do with new agey star whatever like but that's what literally what it just means is that in the twenty six thousand year cycle every five thousand years you get a new age right new age and that's you you don't have to be more woo than that yeah you can just say it like that and that's you know then there's no I mean, what, you're going to be pissed about the new year, bro? Right, yeah, exactly. It's it's simply how time works, how astrology works, and and yeah, it gets this whole, like, woo-woo label. But to me, it it, it could be so beneficial if, you know, everybody kind of knew that we're going through this transition and we're coming out of like like you said the darkest like most ignorant part of this whole like 10,000 years we're just like trying to get out of that um you know it kind it it helps to know that that we're that we're heading into a a, a more enlightened elevated space basically so it's you know it it's it, it's a great message to try and get out there sometimes yeah maybe it's a little hard to put into words that can easily be accepted or digested or whatever to people that haven't had an interest in these topics or, or, and whatnot. But yeah, it, it, it's a huge, I mean, we are, we are in these cycles. Anyone that really studies history can see that. Um, if, if you dive deep in, 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 you know, there's many cultures that have these cycles and maybe a little different terminology, but, uh, it's, you know, it, it, for me, it all clicked very well and I've, you know, read a lot and watched a lot and, and kind of divin pretty deep into, into some of this stuff. And yeah, it, you know, it's, to me, it's a comfort to know that, you know, we're coming out of kind of the worst of it 
and these are like real pretty gnarly growing pains but if we can just push through and like work together we could see something much better uh come come so that's kind of where my hope is and that's where we're gonna leave it for today a little bit hard editing these down because we did have a long conversation i wanted to end on a nice positive note for this one the next one will be just as deep and crazy so make sure you uh come back and tune in for that peace all